Okay, back at the yurt. Today we got Jamie Rasmussen. And he is a right, kayak bass fisherman. Okay. And how long you been bass fishing? Um, around, I don't know, probably 10 plus years, but serious in the tournament, about three, three plus years or so. Okay, so what's, uh, what's like the biggest fish you caught at a tournament? Um, I caught my personal best um, during the national championship in Louisiana uh, last year, 2019. Okay. Um, it was a 22 and three quarter inch largemouth. That's so a pretty pretty big bass. About seven pounds, four ounces. Okay. Um. So you go all over the place, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've gone quite a bit, but I haven't been everywhere. But how was Louisiana? It was fun. Yeah. It was kind of different. It was tough for a lot of people. Okay. But listen, once you started figuring out the little nicks and acts, basically of the place, it was it was very fun. So I was last year. I was in Florida, and we would fish in this brackish water. And, uh, I mean, bull sharks will swim up there. Not not as frequently, but there was an alligator in our section of the canal. Oh, yeah. So, in Louisiana, oh, was yeah. that a concern? It was, yeah, alligators were a concern. Um, the, I think I saw one when I was fishing, pre-fishing for the tournament on the Red River. Okay. And, basically, I just heard a big splash and saw the tail go in the water, and that was it. Yeah. I'd never get close to one, but I saw pictures. and We were more so worried about snakes, because you'd go under a tree or something and they maybe fall? bump it with your paddle or something like that and they fall oh man yeah water uh, moccasins and <laughs> so yeah no the east coast southeast coast man that's not a joke out no, there yeah <laughs> um i remember one time we saw the splashing up on the wall of this canal uh we had my youngest son in the kayak with us mm-hmm. and uh we never brought him back out after that but oh yeah um yeah, one time I actually felt like something heavy bump the bottom of the kayak. I have no idea what it was. It could have been a yeah. manatee would swim in there. You know, there was all oh, sorts yeah. of stuff. Sorts but, of um, yeah, it's a different game than when you're out here on Utah Lake. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where's the coolest place you've been? Um, probably the Delta, the California Delta. Okay. It's close second with Cato Lake in Louisiana. Okay. But, um. California Delta, there's, you know, you can have salmon running up the river if you wanted to while you're bass fishing, but. Where is that? It's, um, about Stockton area. Stockton? Yeah. Okay. So it's a little bit below Sacramento there. Yeah. yeah. I got the, uh, Sacramento River runs through Stockton, and when I was there, it had, like, a huge algae bloom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was pretty, or, I I don't know if it was an algae bloom, but it was just totally coated in green on the top. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it quite a bit. Um, do you, do you only bass fish or? Um, yeah, anymore. I mean, I'll pick up ice fishing and for trout or panfish or something like that, but during the summer and spring, fall, I'm just strictly bass usually. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how many tournaments do you think you've been in? So, uh, for the past three years, it's probably been close to 20, 20 a year. So then plus a little few here and there before that. So probably a. 80, 90 maybe. Okay. And what's the uh, highest you've ranked? Um, in Utah, I did quite well. Yeah. I mean, overall for the year, I took second angler of the year. Okay. Um, but it's not uncommon for me to take top three usually. Um, in a national tournament, um, it's down in Colorado, I took sixth. Okay. It's, in a, it's a regional tournament. You just you go from California to Colorado, Arizona. I got you. So um, like this quarter of the... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, other than that, my 
personal best from Louisiana was the biggest bass on the third day of the national championship. Okay. So that won me 3000 That was probably my biggest payout so far. Uh, that's Is this something that you're uh, planning on doing full time? I'd like to, maybe eventually, but we'll see where it goes. How uh, how do you go about that? Just spend more time on the water? Try to do more tournaments? Yeah, I mean, it's really about getting yourself out there, um, getting a lot of knowledge. Tournaments are probably the best way to learn. Because, I mean, just from hearing like what people are using, what they're doing, um, even if you have no idea what to do when you get there, it's plus just seeing different conditions yeah. from lake to lake. It okay. helps a lot. Okay, um, so can you tell everybody about your kayak? Yeah. What do you what do you got on there? I mean, first you tell them what kind of kayak, but what do you bring with you? Um, so I have a, a Hobie Outback, a 2018 Hobie Outback. Um, got the foot pedals um, that they patented and everything they're famous for. Okay. Um, How fast do those go? How fast can you get them? Dry, I can push it up six miles an hour. Okay. Um, by average, probably three and a half, four, when I'm just cruising off the lake. So it's a little bit faster than paddling, for sure. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, is it, there's forward and reverse on that? Yes. Yeah, the newer models, um, the Mirage Drive 180, which, that's the one I got, anyways. Um, you just pull a lever, and you can, the fins flip around, so then you go in reverse or forward. And is it pretty good with, like, like, like if it's windy outside mm-hmm. and you can just sort of keep yourself in one spot. Yeah, barely. Um, okay. It's you do still notice um, you kind of have to keep straight in yourself. Yeah. Because of you're getting blown around. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's where getting that new Hobie 360 drive would probably help because then you can position yourself straight in the wind and sit right there. Do they? Because I've seen the spot lock on a kayak where it's got that that motor. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? No. So they're. Um, Hobie came out with a new kayak this year for okay. the, the Pro Angler, and it's basically a drive, and the drive just sits there and swivels 360 in the kayak. Okay. So you can take the hand, the turn handle, spin it all the way around, and then basically position your kayak anywhere you want. I mean, uh, that's cool. Rudder steering and. Have you ever yeah. seen those, the ones with the spot lock? I have. Yeah. yeah that looks. A couple guys I know they got them. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's got to be nice. You yeah. set your route and everything. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what else do you bring on on your kayak with you? Um, I usually carry about nine nine rods. Okay. Um, my my crate, of course, in the back of my kayak with usually I think about six trays of tackle. Okay. And then I've got I carry anywhere between two and four uh, bait wraps. Um, just those Plano bait wraps you can get from Cabela's or Sportsman's or something. Like I got gotcha. you. And I hold all my soft plastics in there. Uh-huh. Maybe if I want to, then I throw in a couple extra things, but that's about it, really. So what, with nine rods, what, for somebody who's not with, or, uh, not used to fishing, why would you have nine rods? Um, basically, technique-specific rods. Okay. Um, I'll carry anything from like an extra heavy rod down to a really, really light rod, just so I can throw anything from like a drop shot or a Ned Rig, something finesse, or go up to, say, punching throwing a frog where I need that extra power to lift fish out of heavy vegetation or something like that. Okay. And then, um, so obviously you got a lot of gear going out there. What, uh, what would be a way for someone to just start bass fishing? Like what what would they be best off getting? I mean, you, you can do it with any rod, any reel, really. Um, 
I'd go to Walmart or just anywhere you can get a tackle. Buy a bag of, I mean, those little curly tail grubs to tube jigs. I mean, I started on tube jigs, really. Okay. Especially for smallmouth. Those are, those are great. I don't, I seem to shy away from them now, but they're always, like, seem to go back to the basics sometimes, and they work great. Um, yeah. Tube jigs and maybe just a ball head, um, like a, anywhere from a quarter to a half ounce ball head jig and put it inside that tube jig and okay. sure catch bass. <laughs> What's, what size test would you recommend for that? It depends on where you're at in the country. But, yeah. I mean, for Utah, I'd stick with somewhere between 10 and 12 pounds. 10 and 12. That's a good all around there. So how, I mean, you, you're from Utah. How often do you go fishing, like just in your regular week? Um, at least probably once or twice a week, maybe. Once or twice a week? At least, if not more during summer. <laughs> okay. And then uh, what what spots do you like to go to? Um, being from up by Park City, I live in Colville. I fish Echo a lot. Okay. Echo, um, Fruitnell's occasionally. But that's, that's where I mainly go if I can have time. Or if I'm traveling for a tournament, I'm going to wherever, really. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you ever, like, uh, how often are you in tournaments? Like, how often does that happen? Um, kayak fishing Utah, they put one on about once a month. And then I'll usually do the month-long challenges for KBF. Okay. So I'm usually always in a tournament once, like, from April through October. It just depends on, you know, just then I'm fun fishing for basically the tournament. Yeah. Whenever I'm out. But. Uh, that's cool. Um, and there, uh, what would be a good tournament for, like, local people around here to start out with yeah i would def- i definitely get into kayak fishing utah they're yeah club. um they can go out get an on-hand experience i mean everybody they can ask you basically anybody there and they'll give knowledge on what to do and how to do it. they can see get there and see everybody's rigs if they're looking at trying to make a modification to their kayak or upgrades or something like that it's, it's a really cool experience it's kind of a little family that go in there yeah no I, i'm actually a member of that one that one uh I, I catfish, but, yeah. you know, um, kayak fishing's probably the funnest way I've ever fished, for sure. Oh, yeah. Catching yeah. something on a kayak <laughs> and having it drag you around is pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Occasionally we'll get into catfish, just bass fishing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll hit anything. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, so, do you have any type of, like, social media, or do you do YouTube for your fishing? I or? haven't gotten into YouTube yet. Um, okay. Probably should start, anyways. <laughs> yeah. at it. Um, but I have Utah Bass Addiction is my Instagram handle, and just Cameron Rasmussen on Facebook. So that's all I got right now. Okay. And um, so, man, I'm like, you, you uh, could make this essentially into a full time career. What What would you say the best route for somebody who wanted to do that would take? Just more tournaments, going as often as you can. I mean, I'm still at like the starting. Yeah. Um, starting locally for some local tournaments. Starting to branch out, going more to regional and national tournaments. But, I mean, I've, from YouTube videos and hearing it from some of the professional guys that are in fishing from boats, bass boats from the Bassmaster Classic, FLW, they said to basically start local and then three, five years they'll work up, you know, just go through the process of getting bigger and bigger in the tournaments. Okay. So you you got to be willing to travel if you or or make a YouTube channel and get or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> there's so many ways to make a living off of that kind of stuff nowadays. Um, so how long you lived in Utah? Uh, my whole life. Your whole life yeah. up 
up in Park City area, you mm-hmm. said? Yeah. Okay. So you don't fish the Utah Lake very often. No, I don't. I have a little bit. I have yeah. Not a lot. Okay. Um, uh, let me pause that there. There we go. Okay, we're back on. So it's, uh, you're getting into ice fishing time. How into that are you? Because that can get pretty pricey too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I really just started picking up that seriously. Yeah. This year, I've got uh, a couple rods for it and back bag. And I've been actually borrowing um, basically an auger and a tent from a buddy just because he's got that. And okay. So I'm not too into it yet, but I'd like to get all the stuff for it. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm gonna try it for the first time this year, but uh, we'll see how that goes. You said you also duck hunt, deer hunt. I do, yeah. So, uh, duck hunting. What when is the season for duck hunting? It started basically first of October through second week in January. Okay. So yeah, quite a while. But. And where do you, where do you go for that? Um, I mean, there's basically two two zones that I'll break it up into the northern and southern zone um in the northern zone here which is october to january and then the southern zone it gets pushed out another two weeks just because light okay. times are different um i mean the great salt lake is kind of the destination to go there's uh, waterfowl management areas around that down in the marsh that will house a lot of birds like farmington bay um all the episodes like bear river there's, and do you use your kayak for that ever or yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. sometimes it depends on where we go. <laughs> how uh, how how is that shooting from the kayak? Um, it's not bad, really. I mean, the only thing I've noticed with it is you can't turn like you could if you were standing. Yeah. I mean, if you've only got basically 180 degrees, you can turn and keep going and shoot a bird. Okay. And then, like, if it's if it's a little windy or something, you might be rocking a little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so a little bit more challenging. Uh, how do you cook them? Just in the oven like a like a turkey or yeah i mean we've done that um on ducks we usually just breast them out they don't have a lot of meat on the rest of them okay uh, on geese and bigger birds we'll sometimes cook them like a turkey have you ever gotten a turkey here in utah no i haven't, I haven't no a turkey. yeah I, I just didn't know if they had them here if that was a thing or oh yeah this it's, it's not a huge thing for turkey hunting that i know about anyways but there's it's people do it um and you also deer hunt mm-hmm. yeah we usually me and my dad go out and we'll go and try and get a deer um we've been getting into muscle water hunting and that's been pretty fun so, so that's like one one shot yeah and if you yeah. miss it you're done that's, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um how how accurate are those bullets in that like cause I mean, that's an actual ball right yes well now they're starting to get in i can show you the bullets they, they look like a like slug type thing? Type, yeah. I mean, they're getting, looking like an actual bullet. Okay. But you're still a lot bigger, I mean, than just a regular bullet. Okay. Um, just the calorie muzzle that I have is 50 cal. Um, so that's probably like a half inch or quarter inch round bullet. Okay. Um, somewhere right there. I don't know exactly, but it looks like basically the tip of a bullet and it's um, an inline muzzle loader. Different than a traditional muzzle loader where you got to put the cap and pour the powder down okay i still gotta put a primer in the back of it um but basically cracks open like a single shot rifle okay put the primer in close it and then i dump um pellets or powder either one i have just powder pellets that are solidified drop 
two or three of them is what my gun can handle. Okay. Um, and then put a just a hundred or two hundred forty-five grain bullet. So do you um, wait to do you you do that before you start looking mm-hmm. for the animal or do yeah. you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll load it first thing in the morning. Okay. <laughs> not <laughs> not finding the deer and then sitting there for five minutes loading. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the the last guy I had on he was hunting too. Um, how do you process your meat and everything? How, like, if you yeah. get a deer, what do you do with it? Um, so, we, I've always been taught, anyways, that we just cut it right there on the mountain. We don't cut it. Okay. We, we quarter the animal right there on the mountains. We're just, we're packing on just the meat. Okay. And, and the hide and the, the head, of course. If we decide to take the hide, anyways. Um, we try and get it on a cooler as fast as possible, just to kind of keep it fresh. It's what my dad's always taught me, so that's so like how how long? Because I've never, I've never uh, hunted. How long do you have to get it quartered and on ice? And I mean, it all depends on how cold it is outside. Yeah. I mean, we've usually we're having two tags. Usually, it's me, and my dad, or maybe um, someone else, a friend, or my girlfriend, or something like that, or fiance. Anyways. Okay. Um, so we usually are up there for a couple days. Um, like this year, I left early because it was hot. Okay. Um, I got my deer stayed another day. Let put it in the shade, of course, keep it cool, and then head it out so it didn't spoil. But we'll stay up there sometimes, keep it packed in snow, and it'll get ice cold. We'll stay up there three, four days with it on the mountain. Okay, so, so you put it in like snow then. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Yeah, because I I've thought about getting into it. It's obviously something I. Don't think I can just jump into, you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> um, but like I've seen, I've seen those guys that do the backpack hunting where mm-hmm. they'll like walk up and then yep. they have to carry all of it out. Yeah. How, like you got to do that somewhere colder then. Like, yeah. Cause yeah. Like, if I had a steak sitting out for, you know, half a day in the summertime, mm-hmm. that's pretty much a done deal. Right. Like, I uh, mean, here that that time of year, it'll get cold enough at night, but you're up there for a couple of days. It's not going to ruin your meat. Okay. I mean, I know some people, they, they let their meat just hang out and they'll basically cut the deer and drag it home mm-hmm. and then let it hang for a week and just in the garage and something just to age the meat because they, I don't know if that makes it better or not. I've never done it, but. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, right. that seems weird because it gets like a crust on the outside of it at that point, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's never been sensitive. <laughs> I guess you can keep it out for a week. What's uh? What's your favorite? So you do you hunt elk or do you hunt any other? Yeah, um, we usually always go deer hunting. Okay, um, we've been lucky enough to draw a tag every year for that, and then we've gone elk hunting quite a bit. Grew up doing it every year. Uh, lately, I haven't done it quite so much because I've been fishing. Yeah, the tournaments have gotten in the way and done that instead. But so why do you why do you prefer just the meat? Deer meat better than elk meat, or no? I'd, I'd much rather have elk. It's just harder to get to the elk or something. It's they're a lot tougher. Yeah. I okay. I heard one time specifically speaking, um, a hunter gets an elk every like seven years. Okay. And, I mean, I've been elk hunting since I was twelve, anyways, and I've only got one so far. Okay, but it was good. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good meat. Okay. Yeah, definitely a lot better than deer. <laughs> but, so it is. It's like that much better than deer. Oh, yeah. If I could get one every year, I would. But. And then if 
everyone in your family gets a tag. I mean, you guys are set for food, plus the fishing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, all you guys yeah. need is a garden. You, you don't have to go to the grocery store. No, no, we wouldn't have to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's what that's where I wanted to get into it. Um, really trying to find out how much that deer would actually cost between tags and mm -hmm. every everything I would be associated with, like pound for pound, how much would that cost? I mean, up front, you're, <coughs> yeah, I think you're, I don't even remember what the deer tag is. I think it's like, for a resident anyways, I think it's like 30 bucks or 35 bucks for the tag. Okay. Um, Elk tag would be 50 um, plus whatever the cost of your rifle is, how much ever you want to spend with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, backpack, food, of course, for the day, gas to get there. It, it probably add up pretty quick. A couple hundred, probably, I don't even know exactly. It's, it's hard to put a number on because you go as expensive as you want with gear or. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. I, I get that. It's just the. Uh, I mean, since we've been in this COVID stuff, it seems like the prices of everything have started raising. Like yeah. everything. Yeah, it does. Like, just going, uh, I was looking at steaks at Winco yesterday. You used to be able to buy some pretty cheap steaks, you know, and it's just, everything's going up. So yeah. trying to find better alternatives to that. I, uh, we just moved to this place. So uh, I was going to try to get into bird hunting this, this year, but um, I don't know if I'm too late. We haven't quite settled down yet, but I would like to get out there and try that. Yeah, I mean, still got a duck hunt. You always just go duck hunting. You can go past shooting just to jump shooting them. Okay. That's basically you're walking down canals or rivers or something like that, or even just on the side of a pond and jumping ducks and shooting them when they come up or when they fly over anyways. So how, how does that work? How far away do you have? Because where I fish, mm -hmm. they built a condo community right, like right across the street from where I fish. Yeah. In Utah, how far do I have to be away from a house, or how how does that work? If yeah, you if shoot... it's somewhere public and that basically it's open to rec, uh, basically outdoor recreation, hunting, fishing, whatever. Really? Maybe. So you like you, you just gotta be six hundred feet from a structure. Six hundred. That's not that far at all. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. Yeah, and because uh, we're from uh, L.A. California, and in L.A. County, you have to be a mile away yeah. from. Uh, and that's in some places. You gotta kind of read the regs on it. Um, I believe in like state park, you gotta be like a quarter mile with the shotgun, so like a okay. mile from um, any state park facility with the like a rifle. But if I wanted to go down to Utah Lake, I mean that, and mm -hmm. that's the price of a shotgun bullet. Maybe you know I miss quite a few of them. The first, even yeah. you know, <laughs> a whole a whole one of them little boxes. That uh, that's pretty cost effective compared to what you would spend on like a a whole chicken. Well, I don't know. You can get the whole rotisserie yeah. for five bucks, <laughs> but one bullet—I mean, that might uh, might save some money there. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if you got it, you were hitting birds pretty consistently. I mean, a couple hundred bucks for shotgun, and I mean, you're like fifteen bucks a box for shotgun shells. Yeah, ten to fifteen bucks a box. So. Yeah, no, it's and uh, rabbit hunting because that's the only thing I've ever hunted was rabbit. Mm -hmm. Um. Do they do that out here? Yeah, it's not very popular, but they, people do it. And that's what's what's the regulation on that type of thing? Would you even um, know that? Because you got to have bit. like a twenty-two for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you could do a twenty-two, a shotgun, a bow, um, whatever you desire. I guess besides maybe like a 
high caliber rifle, but yeah. <laughs> um, on jackrabbits here, there's no limits. You hunt them year round. Okay. Um, cocktails and snowshoe hares. There's season, and then I think there's a daily bag on it. But. Okay. But uh, like, if I was to use the 22, you just you got to probably be a little bit more careful where you're going there. You think? Probably or? a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just using the right. Okay. I guess I'll I'll just look into those regulations. Uh, yeah. What's What's your favorite favorite trip you've ever been on hunting? Um, I don't know, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably when I killed my elk was, was up there. Yeah. Was, I mean, we had bulls field going everywhere. We were just me and my dad, but my uncle and another fr- friend that we know that's my uncle's friend, anyways, was up there as well. And we ran into them about midday, just on the mountain, out of the blue. Okay. Um, we were chasing elk. Missed an opportunity first thing in the morning. Um, just a raghorn. I think it was about back on four point bull. Because um, it's really thick timber. So basically, you see him, you got a couple seconds to shoot him. Okay. Before they're gone. And then a couple hours later, missed another opportunity on a spike. We were like, we and at that point, me and my dad were split up because we were both chasing bulls. And I ran off in the trees and I got lost from him. And we had <laughs> radios and stuff to get a hold of each other and knew where the truck and the trail was. But. He ended up shooting a bull that was up on top of the hill that he saw through a clearing, uh-huh. and it was he, where we found out he ended up missing. He was about six hundred yard shot. Uh-huh. Um, so he missed that bull. And that was a big six point. Uh, we went up to go. I met up with him at that point. We went up to check to find blood. Um, he was already on top of the hill looking for blood. I met up with him, and then we were watching from the top of the ridge down over the trees, and um, heard a bull bugle behind us, and so we turned around and started going after him and he came in screaming and sat there and bugled with him for I don't even know how long but called him in and I was lucky enough he ran right in front of me about probably 50 yards and set up on a tree as I was walking through the trees and all of a sudden I was like oh there he is (laughs) (laughs) and then how far did you have to take that because they're like 400 pounds right yeah yeah I mean we quartered it up and um, I took the head and my dad took probably maybe a quarter of the meat anyways okay <laughs> um the first night i mean because it was we killed them probably six just right before dark basically okay six in the evening and he took us till a couple hours to quarter them and we didn't get to the truck till probably one in the morning and it was i believe eight miles in that we were in so i mean where we started it was just a five mile hike on the trail and then yeah up over the hill <laughs> but that's uh, and i mean that's something I don't think a lot of people think about who have never done it, at least, is like, you, you have to have the tools to oh, quarter yeah. the animal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, we just usually like garbage bags just to put the meat in. Um, okay. Tie them up and just probably stick a knife, really. I mean, oh, okay. So you do just use like, you don't have like bone saws and. Oh, no. No. no okay. We, just, we usually, um, usually can get the bones to break off if we need them to. Okay. Just by twisting the joints or cutting the tendons or something like that. But, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah, see, I I have no idea. I've skinned a couple rabbits in my life. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, pretty easy. Um, so do you guys have any big trips you're going up this year? Or? Um, I mean, elk and the deer is basically over. Okay. Um, we I got a deer this year uh, with muzzleloader. It was my second deer with muzzleloader. Okay. Uh, pretty decent. About 20, 21 inch, uh, or 22 inch, three by four. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that was a fun hunt. It was quick and easy, really. I mean, was, we backpacked in about three miles to a spot and just set up on a ridge. And I saw him, he was about 250 yards away and thought maybe I could try it for a shot just because I can shoot that far with the muscle water, but it's not that accurate with, with the new muscle waters anyway, at least with mine. Okay. Um, it's doable, but I haven't practiced enough, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I snuck in and basically, as they were working around the ridge, I popped up over the other side. Luckily, they kept on going where I thought they were and got about an 80 yard shot on it. But. Oh, that's cool. Um, how often do you shoot then? Like, I mean, you got to practice quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, fishing takes up a lot of my time. Really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't shoot as much as I probably should, but we'll usually go out several weeks in advance, just getting them as well as make sure they're on first thing and then practicing with that as well. But. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I haven't been out since this move, so it's been uh, the beginning of October, but, I've man, I was going out, like, three, four times a week, yeah, having a lot of fun, now it's going to be freezing. You know, yeah, I was still walking cold. out mm-hmm. into water to get my bait when I uh, stopped fishing, and now mm-hmm. that uh, that lake's probably freezing cold. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you got the ice fishing. Do you fish for bass, like, when it's cold cold or yeah um i mean occasionally get them through the ice especially okay. up at places that are more bass oriented like manaway okay um once it gets cold you can go down south like st george and get on some soft water still um or there's a couple hot springs just push one up by how utah and then another one out by uh wendover okay and, um that one's called blue lake and that I mean that those will stay 70 degrees all year because they're sealed from hot springs. I gotcha. So when it gets real cold, it'll be out there in 10 degrees, but still in a kayak and uh, on soft water. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that'd be cool. Um, I, I don't know. This will be my first winter fishing in Utah, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to try ice fishing. Um, but yeah, I, I've never dealt with ice, period. Like it, oh, yeah. From Southern <laughs> California, there was never any ice. Uh, so what else? What else are you into out here? Um, I mean, really hunting and fishing is what I do. But yeah, um, I snowboarding. I haven't done that in probably about a year. Last time I was snowboarding, but yeah, that gets yeah. to be pretty expensive hobby oh, yeah, there. That, yeah, especially when the prices keep going up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it seems like prices of everything seem to be going up here. Um. Pause it here for a second. Okay, we're back. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit right now about uh, the technique for bass fishing. Then we're going to jump into sort of the technique I use for cat fishing. So what, uh, you know, what makes a good bass fisherman? What are you actually learning out there? I mean, it's all about reading the water. Yeah. I mean, really just that's where time on the water is key. Yeah. To- become good at it um i mean because you could have the know-how to use a bunch of different techniques but knowing when and where that's the key and you only get that from experience yeah yeah exactly um i mean i love to crank baits throw deep diving cranks um shallow diving cranks basically your standard plug with a couple treble hooks on it okay it's rattling back and forth and hitting bottom key with crankbaits really is um, changing direction. So whether most of the time you're hitting bottom with it. 
you're trying to get that crankbait down the bottom for bass okay. anyways. Um, so it's bouncing off rocks or ripping through grass. Um, we'll use a lipless crankbait as well, which it'll get down a couple feet usually, depending on what size of lipless you're getting. Okay. And you'll get that hung on grass and you'll rip it free. And that's a lot of times when your strikes will come. Um, okay. So yeah. like a after a snag, that's when you're Yeah, gonna exactly. Because you're, you're all of a sudden having this motion and they'll sit there and follow it sometimes. Or they'll be sitting in that patch of grass you get, you get snagged on or that behind that rock that you just bounce off of. And once it changes directions or basically stops and then goes again, that's when they'll lash out at it. Okay. Because they'll basically see it stop and then they'll either grab it right then or as soon as it starts going, then they're like, oh, getting away or something like that. But, yeah, no, that's right? cool. Um, cause I, I don't like getting snagged. So what uh, yeah. <laughs> what uh, test line are you using for crankbait then? I standard run 12 pounds usually. 12. Um, sometimes I'll go out of 10. Do you lose a lot of those, or? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a love-hate relationship with crankbaits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at least you only got to tie the, mm -hmm. tie the crankbait back on. Do you use, do you just tie straight to a crankbait, or do you have it on a swivel? Um, I usually, usually tie straight to it. Okay. Um, that's my preferred way. Um, sometimes, if I'm trying to just figure out what they're wanting to hit, I'll put on a snap. Okay. So you can use a snap swivel, too. Um, mm -hmm. I usually just use a snap, um, and then I can just basically sort of go through once, your whole box. And just switch if I need to. Okay, and then like you'll try on the top, you'll try on the bottom. Yep, exactly. And then, uh, do you still like like uh, shore fish? Yeah, occasionally, yeah. Okay, and just sort of walking under trees and stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. there's actually a nice place I've seen bass there, but uh, if you go down to the Payson. No, it's not Payson. It's the Springville exit. And then you can drive down the dirt road. You go under the freeway in your kayak, and then there's like this golf course with this crystal clear river. Okay. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's got tons. I don't fish there. It's got too much grass and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can see them. It's pretty cool. There's just a lot of places in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, when I – the only bass fishing I do is um, – white bass and that's for bait yeah so i'll just walk right out there and cast in between all the brush and um cattails and everything and then when i do catch like a large mouth or a small mouth it's kind of like i mean it's cool you caught the fish but you got to let it go you know it's still not not oh, bait yeah. you get to use so um but yeah then i'm i'm just there's no real technique to mine i'm just Cutting a fish in half yeah. and throwing it out there. I mean, it's technique in itself, really. But <laughs> yeah, when but when they uh, when they grab that line and uh, you know start dragging that kayak, that's super yeah. fun. To me. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, that that biggest bass you caught, did that thing drag you around a little bit? Yeah, yeah. It was um, that time of year they were on bed, so you're I wasn't sight fishing for them though. Um, okay. Like you can do here. Um, so I, but I basically found out where she was because I lost her the day before. Okay. Um, luckily, she was still there and wanted to eat. Um, they're real finicky. Once they basically bit it once, then you set the hook on them. If you lost them, they were going to eat again. I got gotcha. They get finicky. But she ate again, and um, she dragged me through. I mean, it was about three feet of grass, and I was in four feet of water. 
Oh, yeah. So, um, it wasn't quite to the top yet. Some areas it was once you got a little shower. Um, I caught it on just a, a Cinco, a stick bait, five-inch stick bait. Okay. And she basically she started swimming off with it, and I set the hook, and she just took off through the grass. <laughs> and it was pull and drag, and luckily I had 15-pound braid on. I mean, if I didn't have braid on, I probably would have broke off. Yeah. I mean, because braid's probably one of your strongest pound for pound lines anyways. So did it, I mean, you, you got to be worried you're going to lose it at that point because yeah, you don't know kinda, what's in that grass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a place that I probably shouldn't have been throwing a spinning rod. should have been using a bait caster with a little more ump to it to pull that fish in, but I still made it happen. Kind of like just let the fish ride through it and as soon as she stops, start forcing her in. <laughs> So what else, what else did you guys, you, how long were you out there fishing in Louisiana? I was there for um, a little over a week. A little over a week. Yeah. That's got to be like just bass fishing. Yeah, just bass fishing. Uh, that's cool. Do you eat, what uh, would you eat when you were there? Did you eat anything? Louisiana yeah. gumbo? Or? We, uh, um, crawfish. Yeah, crawfish? To crawfish boil. It's the restaurant there that's up. That's all I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> their food is good. Um. So what's the weirdest thing you've caught? Like when you bass fishing, but you catch something. Um, never like I landed mean, a huge muskie or something. Uh, we caught a couple, like two foot or like twenty four inch pickerel, which are kind of like muskie. Or okay. Like, anyways, down in Louisiana. Um, which that was kind of cool. I never caught that kind of species of fish. Well, in different. Different fish fight differently. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's you weird. Should, you should tell once you hook one, like, this is different. <laughs> yeah, no, especially if you're targeting, like, a carp for me, carp versus catfish. Like, that's yeah. a big, big difference there. Oh, yeah. But uh, we, when we were living in Florida, we had that canal in the backyard, so I would just fish right out of my backyard. And uh, it's brackish water, so you would catch... All sorts of different types of fish, you know, yeah. all, we had this weird toad fish my son caught once, but, uh, I mean, sometimes those smaller fish, pound for pound, they would just fight a lot harder Yeah. than, uh, what, do you like to fight a bass? I do. Yeah. yeah. Is mean, that, why, why do people target bass specifically? Is it more of, like, it's a harder thing to do? It's, I guess it's probably just the challenge of it and the whole aspect of you can get as deep into it as you want to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then besides that, it's just they're hard fighting fish. I mean, yeah, pound for pound, smallmouth are probably harder fighting, typically, or spotted bass. They're, I mean, fight wise, they're definitely they'll sit there and just dig and two pound small. I will fight like a four pound largey. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of just one of those things you just kind of take off with and get into. Yeah. yeah, no, I've, I've seen those guys that do the muskie, and that's like, uh, yeah. I mean, I want to catch one, but it seems like a lot of getting skunked. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> catching a couple fish every once in a while. Yeah. I know those guys, so they'll get into it and get it kind of patterned out, and I'll catch them regularly. Yeah. Like, not like multiple fish in a day, but maybe one, two here and there. Yeah, no, for sure. That That's another one where you, uh, you're kind of putting a lot of money into the all those baits are yeah, like twenty a piece. Yeah, exactly. Big baits, a lot of heavy gear. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, no, maybe one day I'll get somebody on that's 
into that because I, I don't really know a whole lot about it. Want to catch one, so I'll probably go and you know spend three or four days out there before I do so. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how often do you catch fish? Like it's mm-hmm. like I mean, how? So we're talking musky. You catch like you know one if you're lucky for the day. When you're typically bass fishing in a good spot, how many bass will you catch on? I mean, I've had probably a couple hundred fish days this year during okay. the summer when they're really active, really on fire. I mean, but it's not uncommon to have 20, 30 fish days. So okay. That's kind of typical anywhere from 10 to 20, which is probably average, just to get out there and go fishing, really. But And then do you ever catch, I mean... Cause like I said, the only time I've ever really caught bass, I'm going after white bass. Do you guys catch a lot of white bass, or if you're going after yeah. largemouth? Yeah. Um, occasionally, yeah. I mean, I see. I don't really catch a lot of white bass here. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes we'll catch wipers, like in East Canyon, if we're there, or now Jordanelle. Okay. Um, they seem to be a little bit more oriented, kind of where the bass are as well, but it's largemouth, smallmouth, but um. We catch, I mean, trouts or sometimes bluegill on, on bass stuff. Just Really? Yeah. Trout, <laughs> like, huh? Yeah, I was, I was bass fishing on Echo and caught, I was probably about a five-pound brown. Yeah? Yeah. It was, it was, I thought it was a big smallie, and then <laughs> it comes up, I'm like, oh, it's a nice brown trout. It was like 23 inches long. Yeah, that's that's got to be cool. Is that what you're going for when you're um, when you're ice fishing? or? Yeah, it's typically we're going for pub trout. Yeah. Trout. Yeah, I've done some trout fishing up in uh, Salem Pond, but um, it's great for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, they're pretty small out there. Um, so you, you said your buddy's got the tent and everything. Um, how, how much do you think one of the, like to get into the ice fishing would cost? Um, I mean... Really, you could go as basic as like probably fifteen twenty dollars a rod and reel. Yeah, some of them come with line on it. It might not be the best line, but yeah, <laughs> um, ice fishing gear isn't really that expensive. You don't have to go too deep into it. Yeah, I guess you can yeah. just stand around the hole. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, my rods are probably only twenty thirty dollars for my my highest end one, and then the line here i probably got probably fifty dollars worth of tackle that i've accumulated yeah. over about two three years but uh so so your overall goal is you get into the bass fishing that's like yeah, what you're doing for a living that would be my thing yeah <laughs> and then you get to ice fish and um and hunt and that's like that would you'd be set with doing that huh yeah that, that would be that yeah <laughs> okay well yeah no i'd like to see some youtube videos and stuff um, how much, how much do those like local tournaments pay out? You'd have to have like sponsorships and other things. Yeah. Um, I say I've got I'm on some pro staffs, um, okay. one for third degree jerseys. Um, and they get, basically I get a discount to basically have them make my jersey. And then I okay. wear, wear the brand name on the jersey. And then as well as my other pro staff from Lou Tungsten. Okay. And they make my fishing weights basically. Do you, do you use a lot of weights? Because, I mean, you... I yeah. Yeah? I mean, I'm using... I have a weight on there a lot most of the time. Unless I'm throwing a crankbait or a weightless rig. 
Okay. So that's the only time I'm not using a weight. Okay. So yeah, I, I would have thought. I don't. I don't know. I've never been bass oh, yeah. fishing, <laughs> but anytime I've ever used a bait, it's mainly for like small catfish or mm -hmm. uh, you know trout or something. But uh, so like, are you, are you actively trying to get into that or? Yeah, it, uh, into the tournament thing. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So you got any like big tournaments coming up? Uh, I see. Right now it's kind of slowed down. Yeah. I'm kind of wrapping up the season for most of the tournaments. We're starting to plan towards next year. Um, there's a new who called Timberline Yak Winter Series. Or Yak okay. Fishing Winter Series. Um, it's run by Tate Brown, which he fishes in Catfish in Utah as well. Okay. And he. He basically started the winter tournament, and he did, they did one up in Walcott um, last month in Idaho, and the next one, they're looking at 1st of December down in San Paulo. So, so it's going to be a little bit of travel, because we're trying to stay away from ice, get kayaks out still, but yeah, just winter tournaments for bass fishing. No, at least you got something to do through the winter. But uh, yeah, now that looks like we made it. Made it to the end there. Um, what was your social media and everything? One more time. Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is Utah Bass Addiction. And yeah. I'm Cameron Rasmussen on Facebook. I don't have a. And you got a YouTube site. channel coming soon. Yeah, hopefully. And then we'll put all that stuff in the uh, description below. Uh, you guys have a good one, and we'll be back with another show here soon.